We now present you a special jazz episode of the Mountain Care Old Time Radio Hour. Join us on a journey to the golden age of radio on our time machine back to the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. We are your hosts, Bob Jackson and Barb Williams. Today's episode includes live jazz music from Mark and Mary and our interview with Queen Bee of the Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers. But first, let's meet our co-host, Barb Williams. Barb, how'd you get to Asheville? Well, Bob, about 33 years ago, my husband was ready to retire from Caterpillar. He, we had lived in Peoria, Illinois for, I had lived there all my life. So this was gonna be an, a monumental change for me, but we decided, he d decided to, uh, that he wanted to spend more time with the kids. And um, so we started a tour around the United States to find a place where he would want to retire. And when we came to the mountains of North Carolina, there was no way we could think of any anywhere else that we had been. This was just the most beautiful uh, part of this, the United States that we had ever traveled to. So we um, picked up our four kids, moved here, and uh, have been here ever since. And I wouldn't um, move for anything. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Barb, I'm really excited about our jazz episode here, so here we go. Well, talking about Asheville, I was at the Downtown Leaf Festival last month and had the pleasure of listening to Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers playing songs from their album, Asheville. And I thought we just had to get them on our podcast, and thankfully Queen Bee said sure, so we are excited to talk jazz with her today. But first, we are so blessed to have the jazz duo of Mary Pearson and Mark Guest play for us monthly here at Mountain Care. And today, they agreed to play a few of their songs live on our podcast. Lovely too, east of the sun. 
does those love scenes exactly like you You make me feel so grand I want to hand the world to you You seem to understand Each foolish little dream I'm dreaming, scheming, I'm scheming Now I know why mother taught me to be true she meant me for someone, she meant me for someone, she meant me for someone exactly like you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sure, just like I said before, 
joined at Mountain Care by Whitney of Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers. Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to be here. Um, Whitney's band just finished and has their new CD out called Asheville, um, which is a homage to the Asheville jazz scene of the 1920s. Um, Whitney, can you start by telling us a little bit about um, the band Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers? Yes, and one small correction, um, it's not actually about the jazz scene. Um, we didn't really have a whole much of a jazz scene here um, during that time. There was some, but not, uh, not much to speak of. Um, but what we did do is make an album of stories uh, from that era of the 20s through the 40s uh, and set them to the music of that time. Um, so my band is um, Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers. It's an early swing band. Uh, we keep most of our shows small combo style, uh, played in quartet, quintet, sometimes up to a septet. Um, and it's pretty, pretty cool that that style's coming back. And when I was writing original music, uh, trying to think what could be a great inspiration, and I thought, why not just write about what I know and where I come from? And so uh, I took some of my grandparents' stories from their childhood here in this area and uh, also went to the library, the NC room at the public library downtown and did some research uh, about local legends and lore and uh, set that to music with some friends of mine. Did some co-writing and wrote some on my own and made an album called Asheville. So before we talk more about Asheville, let's back up. How did you get influenced to music? Well, uh, I, so my parents are professional musicians, uh, jazz musicians, and uh, they had a band and also played, you know, top 40 cover music. Um, and so while they were playing gigs, I would stay at my grandparents' house. So I ended up spending quite a bit of time uh, with them growing up, and they were like second parents to me. Um, so obviously I grew up in the world of, of, you know, jazz with my parents, but also my grandparents because you know, their house was filled with um, Benny Goodman and uh, Glenn Miller records and the Andrews sisters that I used to listen to. Uh, and then, of course, I spent a lot of time watching old movies. My grandfather loved to uh, record on from uh, AMC, you know, American Movie Classics. He loved to schedule his VCR to record his favorite movies when they would come on. So he had a library of hundreds of, of uh, classic movies that... I would uh, watch when I came home from school. So I think, you know, kind of all of those influences combined set me on the course to uh, be a jazz singer and composer. And how did Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers come about? So I, um, 
Well, I was first recruited into the kind of early swing world by my friend Michael Gamble, uh, who I grew up with, and coincidentally, his grandfather and my grandfather were best friends growing up. They used to ride the trolley together back in the early 30s. And uh, his grandfather, a fellow named Malcolm Gamble, uh, used to be a photographer at the Citizen Times, so some folks around here know him. And um, he um, invited me to come sing and learn how to play the washboard with his band a few years back. Um, and I played some percussion. My father's a drummer. Uh, but swing percussion and, and definitely the washboard was new to me. But I jumped in and studied. And uh, we played in that band for a few years. And then I actually took a hiatus to have a baby. I, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son. And I, was not, I didn't play at all for about a year year and a half and so when I came back to it after having my son I thought you know I'm gonna start a band of my own so um, at the time my husband and I already had chickens in our backyard a nice big garden and we were thinking about getting bees and uh, one day I said I mean wouldn't it be great to make our own honey I mean do you like honey and my husband said baby I'm a honey lover <laughs> and I thought well that's a that would be a great name for a band the honey lovers and he said well then you'd have to be the queen bee um, so that's how the band got its name and um, I recruited my my good friend Michael who played with us for a long time and still does off and on as well as some other musician friends of mine I just knew from the scene Asheville has a, a pretty rich early jazz swing scene um, and modern jazz. I mean, we're actually, uh, per, per capita, I think, a pretty large scene comparatively, especially in the South. So, so now tell us about the latest album, Asheville. Yeah, well, this is actually our first album because the band's only about a year and a half old. Um, and I, my grandparents passed away, um, well, right before I got married. So um, my grandmother passed and 2014, and then uh, my grandfather passed on what would have been her next birthday, actually. Um, I had a heart attack on that day, and um, I missed them a lot, and uh, wanted to, you know, feel them with me, preserve some of their stories, and uh, so I think that was the initial inspiration for the subject matter. Um, but of course, again, you know, the, the style of music we play is that early jazz, and we play a lot of standards from that time. Um, but I thought, if I'm going to write original music, why not, you know, write stuff that people around here can relate to and remember and helps them to feel part of something in their community. So, uh, yeah, that was my, my goal. <laughs> so can you pick a couple of the songs on the album and share the story behind the song? Sure. So, um... Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the best stories on the album is uh, the Hayes and Hobson song's backstory. So the Hayes and Hobson building is downtown on Pack Square. Do y'all know this? I feel like y'all probably know more old Asheville stories than I do. <laughs> um, so, so the Hayes and Hobson building is downtown on Pack Square. And um, currently, they have the Pax Tavern in there. You might have been there before. Well, during Prohibition, the Hayes and Hobson building was the home of a mechanics shop. And they decided to get involved in the moonshine smuggling business. So they partnered with a lumber mill. They opened a lumber mill in half of their building. And that gave them an excuse to bring in these big trucks at all hours of the night, right, with lumber. Well, of course, the lumber coming in from the hillsides also had something else in it. And they would take it downstairs where they had an underground tunnel that led to the fire station, which is across the streets to this day, still across the street from that building. 
And then the firemen, legend says, firemen would distribute the liquor on the backs of the fire trucks when they went out. Yeah, which is crazy, right? It's crazy. And the fire station and the police station share a building. So one can only assume that, of course, the police, there must have been some police in on the take, right? Because it was the same building. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty, pretty wild story, right? Asheville actually has some pretty wild stories, especially from that era, because we were the hub of a lot of action for some high rollers like the Fitzgeralds and Thomas Wolfe and, you know, folks that came through then. So yeah, crazy story. I believe one of the songs might be about the Vanderbilts. Yes, yep. We have uh, Cornelia's Masquerade, which is about the, the daughter of the Vanderbilts. So the Vanderbilts... <laughs> so the Vanderbilts, of course, were the folks that built the Biltmore House. And they had uh, just one child, a little girl. Her name was Cornelia. And she, when she was born, was the richest heiress in the world at the time, right? I think she was born in 1900. And um, when she turned 21, they had a coming out party for her, and she wanted a masquerade ball. So they decorated the basement of the Billmore House. If you go through and tour, you can still see, just as you're leaving, you go through that room where they painted the walls, muraled them all crazy. And... Um, and I, when I did the research, I realized that um, Mr. Vanderbilt, blah, Mr. Vanderbilt uh, had passed away about two years before that. And I did the math and realized that Edith, uh, Cornelia's mother, remarried the, the next year uh, after Cornelia's coming out party. So I kind of just took this little bit of artistic license of like, oh, so they were like both on the prowl for a new husband, you know? And like, what was that scene like at the Biltmore house when it was like the two ladies were in charge? And, and actually, if you look at the pictures, they have a museum there uh, at, what's it called? Is it Deer Park, the little shopping area? Anyway, there's a little shopping area where they have like a, a, a museum. And if you walk through the museum, you can see the outfit that Edith Vanderbilt was wearing was um, quite scandalous for the time. This was 1921, and uh, it was a very revealing, very you know, racy outfit. So um, yeah, I, I just kind of had this little fun little idea that both ladies were on the prowl for a husband, and it was probably a pretty good party. So is either one of them still alive? No, they are both. They are both gone. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Cornelia went on to live a very colorful life. She moved to New York, and uh, so she actually married uh, within, I think, a year or two, uh, Mr. Cecil, and they had two children, two sons, uh, who we're probably familiar with. Um, but she actually moved away when her kids were pretty young and moved to New York first to study art, I believe, and then eventually to Paris. And she dyed her hair bright pink, which was unusual for the, what, at that point, late 20s, early 30s. Uh, and changed her name to Nilcha. Nilcha, yeah. Uh, so, very eccentric lady by all accounts. And as a mother, I also remember when I read that thinking, how could you leave your children and move across the world? But she, she did and never, never set foot in Biltmore again, they say. Yeah. So, she could probably afford a nanny. <laughs> exactly. Well, right, and I, it's true. I mean, I think in those days, so often kids weren't even raised much by their parents, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, the rich children, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Poor kids probably got a lot of that. But, yeah. Um, Fourteen songs on the album, Asheville. How about the story behind one more of the songs? Sure. Um, 
Let's see. Beecham's Curve is a good one. So um, my grandfather told me a lot of stories, as I said. That was part of the inspiration for the album. And uh, one of my favorite stories that I actually have recorded, because I recorded a lot of his stories onto video, um, is his story about riding the trolley as a child with Michael's grandfather, Malcolm. And um, he said they would get on, for six cents, you could buy a ticket and get on the trolley and ride from the end of the line, which was at Haywood Road and Brevard Road. You could ride down, and it would go down Haywood Road, take a left at Beecham's Curve and head down toward the river, and uh, then end up downtown. And he said they would get a six cent ticket and just ride all afternoon. I mean, that was just fun. It was like the closest thing to a roller coaster for kids in the Depression, you know? And um, he said it was especially exciting the part where you rounded Beecham's Curve because it was a 90 degree angle turn for a trolley. So it was, you know, quite steep and it would shake. And he said going down the hill, you always thought it was going to pop off the tracks and it was thrilling. So, um, so I took that and, and almost directly transcribed his words into the song and set a love story on top and of as it, as it goes kind of down the river. So it was a kind of sweet, you know, backdrop for um, a love story there. And, and Asheville's trolley system in general is a cool story because I saw this written several places and I'd love to, true corroboration, but supposedly we had the first hydroelectrically powered trolley in the world. Yeah, so, you know, lots of other trolley systems out there, but ours was powered, uh, they dammed up the Hominy Creek right before it gets to the French Broad River, and the hydroelectricity generated uh, was powered all of West Asheville and powered the trolley system that came from there. So, um, and it ran till the mid-30s when basically pressure from oil companies uh, and the desire to use the steel uh, for other things uh, ended most trolley services in the country, which is a real shame because just think, if we had hydroelectrically powered trolleys now, what difference it might make to our environment. <laughs> Whitney, if we wanted to come see Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers play here in Asheville, where might we be able to catch you? So we play every Friday at the Foundry, which is a new hotel. Uh, they restored the old Foundry down on Eagle Street and Market Street. So it's right behind, if you know where the block off Biltmore, the YMI Cultural Center is, um, it's right behind there. It actually stretches from one side to the other. and. Um, we play there every Friday from 5 to 7. It's a nice early show uh, with nice comfortable seating. Uh, no charge for entrance. Uh, and then other than that, really you'd want to go to our website, queenbeeswing.com, because we play, I mean, all over the place, uh, somewhere, you know, several times a week, but it varies from week to week, so. Um, how did you go about making these elaborate videos from that era? Well, I, um, I have good friends who are videographers who were willing to work with me. And I mean, both of those videos really took about half a day to make. Um, I definitely went to a lot of trouble to um, make sure we had good, you know, costume clothing that was period. I have a lot of friends in the scene who all have wonderful clothes already. So in some ways I just invited them to come, but I also provided a, stuff, a lot of stuff from my closet or asked them to bring extra from theirs. So um, that handled the kind of the look. Where did the car come from? Isn't that car amazing? Uh, so the car, uh, Jim Winters uh, let us use his car for the afternoon. He has this classic car from the 20s that he brings out to events. 
and he's just basically just a nice guy. I was like, hey, can we use this? And he said, sure. And it was fun. We That shot from that video is actually uh, right next to the ISIS theater. Um, and Russ Wilson, who's driving the car in the um, in the video, his uh, great grandfather was a moonshiner. <laughs> so he said it was it was fun to you know follow in the family uh, as close as he was ever going to get to following in the family you know business. So what is next for Queen Bee and the Honey Lovers? Well, we're gonna go uh, play a bunch of swing dances around the southeast. Um, we've got on the books in the next few months and. We're going to be on Blue Plate Special in Knoxville um, August 30th, I think that's the date, Saturday. And um, yeah, just lots and lots of gigs. We're going to do some recording, vinyl recording in September, which I'm looking forward to. And, and you know, we're working on songs for a new album, but it's probably going to be another year before we try to release anything new because we want to make sure this gets the, you know, full attention it deserves. We were so grateful for um, Matt Williams and the Eagle Room who did the recording and producing with us. So, um, yeah, good, good stuff. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for joining us here at Mountain Care and sharing your stories, and um, we can't wait to listen to this CD daily. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And that was our blast from the past. Thank you for joining us on a journey down memory lane. And a big thank you to Mark and Mary and Whitney for sharing their love of jazz with us. And as always... May your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Join us next month on the Mountain Care Old Time Radio Hour. <laughs>